and all the ships at sea. We are nearing the holiday season, and that means a huge slate of films and other entertainment this week, isn't it? It's a big movie. This this could be the movie that saves Hollywood. They say that every time there's a major motion picture out, but this one actually, I think, the only thing that could help or hurt it is it's running time and that's it and we'll talk about that in a moment we'll talk christmas gifts at the top of the show and then around minute two we'll talk spider-man around minute 16 nightmare alley around minute 22 the lost daughter around minute 29 swan song around minute 36 we'll do a preview of fortress and then around minute 38 we'll talk about american underdog around minute 44 the real charlie chaplin then around minute 46 lynn and i will talk about our critics group Best Picture nominees. Are you ready for Christmas? Did you get Maggie and Nicole their gifts? I have one of those two gifts. The other one is on the way. So let's hope that they both arrive in the next week. So everything will be, I think everything will be fine. I know. The other day I ordered something for my sister in California and it said to arrive by Christmas, make sure you order it by the 17th. So I ordered it yesterday and they said delivery will be December 28th. <laughs> well, we were trying to get breakfast from Nathaniel Reed and they said, they said, if you order by the 15th, every, that's the last day we're taking orders. We called on the 15th and they said, oh, we are already sold out. So we will be having breakfast from somewhere else, even though, oh, you know, Nathaniel Reed's fantastic. It is. Oh, my God. Their croissants are the best. We were going to get Just, their breakfast box. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So that is, I guess, a plug for Nathaniel Reed. And then also <laughs> like they need it because they're sold out for Christmas and New Year's. Well, actually, I was sending emos to my sister in California because nice. they, they they love it. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's let's get to the big let's yes. get to the big movie of the year you know this will probably even though it's coming out on december 17th this might be one of the top grossing pictures of the year and it was too late for our awards nominations but, but i don't know if there are some fantastic visual effects the effects that they made a lot of those people a lot slimmer and a lot younger than they are without mentioning any names was oh. actually fantastic Oh, well, this we're talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, which is the last of the trilogy with Tom Holland. But it might not be the last, but it's right now the third. of It's Tom the last Holland. of the home movies. The first one was Homecoming. Yes. And then the second was Far From Home. And this one is No Way Home. Well, I have to say I haven't seen it yet because I came down with this stomach flu bug that prevented me from going Tuesday evening, but everybody is raving about it. And I know you had to make plans to see it at another time as well. I did. I had planned to take family members and that didn't work. So I wound up going all by my lonesome, which is fine because it's Spider-Man and it was, there's a communal experience when you're seeing with an audience. And I think actually seeing it with an audience was better than seeing with a whole bunch of film critics because there were people cheering and there was excitement and it was, I'm glad I saw it with the crowd. I do want to mention one thing. There is, there are two scenes at the end that we know it's a Marvel movie. You've been trained. 
And some people left after the first one, which, you know what? I, it's fine. The first one is something in the Sony world, not necessarily the MCU, but it kind of is, but it's, I, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So I'm just going to say, I didn't necessarily know what was going on in the first post-credit scene. And the second post-credit scene is not a post-credit scene. It is a preview of the next movie in phase four, which is Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness or Mad, whatever. It's Doctor Strange 2, the ne- which is the next film coming out. It is not a scene. It is a preview. It's uh-huh. like, this is, and this is the first time they've done something like that. Coming up next in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, That's sometimes right. they do a scene rather than leading, you know, that leads into the next movie. But this was a whole bunch of scenes. It was, it's a preview. Honestly, it's like a teaser trailer. Well, they did have, uh, they do have a little, uh, they do need a little extra push in phase four. Because so? yeah, not after it's... this, not, people like Doctor Strange and they like, uh, Wanda they want they want them in this movie together it's not like it's a surprise right well I agree with that but after Mick's reaction to Eternals and Shang-Chi and that I do think uh they I mean they are very careful about their branding and uh uh, speaking of Tom Holland as Spider-Man I have enjoyed him because I had my eye on him after he played the lost son in the impossible mm-hmm. which was about the tsunami of 2004 and i was like who is this kid and then he showed up in some serious british indies and then they cast him i've always enjoyed his chemistry with robert downey jr he calls him mr stark it's such a father-son surrogate relationship and so i loved the first movie now the second one i didn't I had mixed reaction to, but Michael Keaton was fabulous. Now I hear that this no, wait, one no, Michael brings... Keaton. Michael Keaton's mostly in the first one. It's Jake Gyllenhaal's the be- villain oh. of the second one. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, I was getting them confused. That's I okay. did not. I did not care for that Mysterio plotline. Well, also, you need to know. You need to remember a lot of the Mysterio plotline because in Mysterio's last act, this is spoilery. But then again, if you're seeing this movie, you have to have seen. You don't have to have seen all of the other twenty-something properties because you know now it's weird because you have twenty-seven, twenty-eight films, but you also have four different properties of television you have what if and you have wandavision and you have uh falcon and winter shoulder and now you have hawkeye which still has one episode left and there is a there is a reason that hawkeye and spider-man do not meet up in any of it's it will be made clear with the movie and i'm sure it might be made clear in uh the final episode of hawkeye next week but what i'm saying is you need to remember the final events of Spider-Man Far From Home when Mysterio's last act is letting the world know and blaming Spider-Man for his death and uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson on the Daily Bugle podcast web adventure that Spider-Man is outed as Peter Parker. And that uh, takes... They actually do scenes from 
Far From Home at the very beginning. Normally, they don't do previously on Marvel. It's weird. They do previously on Marvel, and they do coming up next on Marvel in this movie, which they have not done before. No. Well, they, well, don't, they don't have, they don't have, they don't have, like, the title card that says previously on, but that's basically all it is. Well, the sticky wicket here is that uh, Spider-Man started as a Sony property, and uh, that was... The Toby Maguire uh, was uh, the in the Sam Raimi ones in the early 2000s, and that was Toby Maguire as Spider Man with a, a Kirsten uh, Dunst as Kirsten Dunst, um, MJ, and Sally Field as Aunt May, and then it moved on to uh, Andrew Garfield and Stacy and Emma Stone. And as and those were heavily criticized. I didn't mind Andrew Garfield because I think he's a fine actor, but a lot of people had issues. I had issues with Jamie Foxx as the villain. It was a terrible villain. But now I hear all these villains from past properties are bad. I am not going to say anything about it. I want people to be surprised. There are a lot of cameos in this movie, and I am not going to mention a single one except the one that they have given away in the trailer, which is why our friend Kevin Brackett doesn't watch trailers because he wants to see what we've all seen. I am so surprised that Dr. Octopus has such a big part in this movie. I thought, oh, well, it's just going to be another cameo. And then, then they tease Willem Dafoe being on it. I'm not going to say whether he's in it or not. And they tease all these other people being in it. I am not going to say whether he or she or they are in it or not, but I will say that Alfred Molina is in this movie more than I thought he would be. Okay. And that's, and that's all I will say. And Willem Dafoe would be the Green Goblin, just to refresh. And, I, and I'm not, see, that's, be, uh, I don't want to say anything else because I don't know what people know and I don't want to confirm what they think they know or what they don't know. Because it's everything, when one character showed up on screen the place erupted in applause and laughter so i don't want to take that away from anyone so no, I, and yeah and then plus how, how you know you might have seen those toby mcguire ones but how much do you remember i it, it doesn't matter it because you know and people say that spider-man 2 is the best of the raimi ones because they didn't necessarily like thomas hayden church as the sandman or they didn't you know, and you said you didn't like Jamie Foxx as Electro or Reese Ifans as the Lizard. And you you don't know uh, what you don't know. And so I'm that's all I'm going to say. Well, I but do know that I do know that Marissa Tomei is back as Aunt May. They made her yes. younger. They made her younger and hipper. Well, and then she I, she and Happy are not in the best of places right now because Happy Hogan is, is still in it. And John Favreau. John Favreau, who started this whole thing off by directing Iron Man. So it's very, um, a lot of people are not getting along well after the blip. As they, first, we knew it as the snap, but they all call it the blip. And I wish there were, their Flash is there and Betty Brandt is there. I wish there were more of them, but it's, uh, and as you've seen from the trailers, Doctor Strange is in it. And when he's not there, uh, there's there are reasons why Doctor Strange isn't like the side or Spider-Man's not Doctor Strange sidekick. And they have a good rapport too, just like they did in Infinity War. They are, are, are we using code names now. They had a good back and forth too. 
not they're at a different uh, dynamic than Stark and Peter. But and it was well, I think I'm, spoiler I'm afraid alert. Of what to say? Well, I think spoiler alert. I think Endgame was long enough ago that we can uh, talk about the aftermath of okay, that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, if you're watching Spider-Man No Way Home, you know most of everything that has gone on before this. Unless you've just watched the three the three Spider-Man films, if you're a Spider-Man fan and don't care for the MCU, I think you will be very, very not disappointed. I also think that you they addressed the blip in the last movie, so you're caught up. You know that Stark is no longer, and you know that all these things have happened to Peter, and you know that Peter and MJ and Ned are all trying to get into MIT so that they can all go to school together and have a have the life that they want, which is being science nerds together, which is a great, you know, I love the fact, and you know, I have a senior in high school who's going through the exact same stuff, and I took a lot of my own personal experiences and place them in this movie because they're all waiting for their, they're getting their letters and they're seeing if they get into their safety schools and they're seeing what schools they're getting into. And I love the whole, while, yes. Well, all this while trying to save the city. I love the whole uh, aspect. The homecoming was like a, a Marvel movie meets uh, John Hughes. And I love mm -hmm. that about it. And then Zendaya is a pretty good MJ, I think. And in real life, they're a couple. Yes, they are. Um, so. that, eh, and Ned, Ned actually takes a back seat to MJ because now everybody knows that's the thing. And what you've seen in the trailers is I had theories about what we're going to, what the things that would happen in the trailer. The trailer is actually very misleading. So that's why I am hesitant to give any plot points. The trailer that you've seen is very misleading. So, oh, okay. That's all I'm gonna say. Well, because Peter Parker does go see Doctor Stephen Strange, and things happen, but well, not what you think. Well, hopefully by next week, our show, I will have seen it. And uh, how does this stack among your action films of the year, Carl? Oh, it's it's fantastic action. It's you know after seeing The Matrix and how horribly that was shot, I am very very. Uh, appreciative now of the way that the MCU actually shoots their vi their uh, violent their action scenes because uh, I think and weird thing is what they've had is the same director for all three of these Spider-Man movies, which is always nice. Which is which always is because there's there's plus. some continuity, and I do think that John Watts knows how to do this. That was the thing about both the Raimi films and then the two films with Andrew Garfield. I, I don't even remember who directed those. But I don't either. It, it, well, it doesn't matter. The, they always said that Toby was a better Peter Parker than a Spider-Man and that Andrew Garfield was a better Spider-Man than a Peter Parker. And they said that's the thing that they like about Tom Holland was the fact that he was a Peter Parker and a Spider-Man, which... I appreciate. So I do too. Uh, there, there were good things about the Amazing Spider-Man films. The were a lot truer to the comic books. And they those movies have their fans. And 
I appreciate that. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man was directed. Oh, that was Mark Webb. Mark Webb did those. So uh -huh. you have, I, I don't know. I don't, I hate, everyone says that Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie, which actually has Doc Ock in it. And I think this one stacks up because I, this one brings a lot of things together. Aha. Uh -huh. And, and, and I'm, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything just by saying those sentences. Cause right. I want everyone to experience this movie the way I did thinking they know something and then being 100% wrong. Right. Well, let's move on to our next movie, uh, Nightmare Alley. Have you seen this, Carl? I have not seen Nightmare Alley. I'm going to see it before tomorrow, before, you know, we, <laughs> we have to vote on all of our things because Nightmare Alley is loved by a lot of people. Yes, but not me. So, oh. Yes, no. Um, you, it was uh, nominated for a lot of things in our critics group yeah i know it has a good look to it but uh yeah okay so uh, my rationale is it's bleak from start to finish uh it just depends on what you're in the mood for i think and uh i okay it's about grifting it's based on the 1947 movie starring tyrone power and uh it was in uh, uh from a novel and it is about grifters during the 40s and they take advantage of innocent people but bradley cooper plays a morally bankrupt guy that starts out in the circus as a carny and uh meets up with kate blanchett a femme fatale and they set their mark on richard jenkins who is a tycoon now along the way he meets all sorts of odd folks it has a fabulous cast fabulous cast uh besides bradley cooper doing great work uh, there is tony collette as a mentalist zia uh zia the seer and her husband david straight and she teaches bradley who plays Stanton Carlisle, how to uh, set marks, how to find marks, how to play people. And so he is uh, uh, schooled in the art of grifting. And uh, he meets up with Rooney Mara, who is a more innocent person. And uh, along the way, there's Willem Dafoe as like the head of the Carnies in the Oh, him again. Yes. And so uh, he works a lot. And uh, it's just, it starts off with uh, this fun, well, I'm not going to ruin what it starts off with, but Bradley Cooper eventually uh, comes across a circus and it is a fun house where they have the own oddities. What did they call those back then? The freaks? Yes. The freaks. And so this guy is mentally ill and he bites the heads off chickens. Oh, and Ozzy Osbourne. Is it played by Ozzy Osbourne? No, it's played uh, by, I don't know who the guy is, but he uh, he horrifies the crowd who's paying like 15 cents or 25 cents to see this. And uh, it's disturbing. That's the way it starts. It's directed by Guillermo del Toro, who's known for finding magic in very dark places. But this film is devoid of magic. It's just very dark and grim it's it looks 
like a Grimm's fairy tale, which marks a lot of his work. The production design of all his films is incredible. Now, I like The Shape of Water, which other people refer to as the fish guy. Well, and, he, he won an Academy Award for directing that. Right. Well, this is not of that caliber. Uh, that had magic to it and a fabulous cast. This just has a fabulous cast. Now, they're they're doing good work. It's just, do you buy into this story or is it, I think it's a tough watch. It is two and a half hours. Well, so Spider-Man. I know. That was, but, that's fun to watch. Well, this is bleak. This is dark. Oh. This is grim. Um, it's disturbing. And I had a hard time watching innocent people get taken. You didn't, you didn't like the grifters with no. John Cusack? No. And I didn't like Benning, that movie either. No, it's they're just not nice people. But uh, th- do we need more of how horrible the world is right now? I don't know. See, I don't know about the timing of this. I think it's getting nominations for the uh, technical aspects, but I don't think it's getting much for uh, the other things. If you notice, our, is it nominated for best film? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. And, and if you look at other critics groups, uh, by the way, the Critics' Choice Association nominations came out this week, as did the Golden Globes that nobody's paying attention to. It landed like a big thud because of all their issues. And then a lot of critics groups came out this week, too. Now, our group only uh, nominated for product, production design. But as you said, Critics' Choice, picture, director, cinematography, costume design, score, hair, makeup, visual effects, costumes. So your critics, your group, Lynn, loves it. Well, there's 500 people in it, and I was not one of the ones I did. Uh, I do put a nod in for production design. Okay. Well, the National Board of Review says it's one of the top 10 films of the year. Right. So I'm in the minority. I know. But I just have to be honest about these. We have a spate of very depressing movies this week. Well, yeah, um, speaking of movies that people where none of the characters are likable, let's talk about The Lost Daughter. Yes. Oh my this gosh, is, that nobody, everybody in this movie is an asshole. There are no redeeming people in this movie except maybe the young children. And they're not even good kids either. No, they're a handful. They're kind of spoiled in handfuls. Now, okay. We have Olivia Coleman doing award-worthy nomination work. I don't think she's going to win, but she's going to get nominated for everything. As we have seen, she's on our list. She's on a lot of lists. Uh, she plays Leda, who is a university professor, and she's divorced, and her two children are grown. And so she goes on holiday to a Greek island and by herself, and she notices two, uh, two families they're boorish and awful families. They're okay, very they, loud and, it's, and rude. It's weird. They're, they're in Greece, right? Are they in Greece? They, it's never yeah, 100%. Well, the, the book, yeah, the book, because I started reading the book. Uh, it's in Italy, the book is, but they transferred it to Greece. So and I don't know are, what. But, and the people that like are her nemesises, but they're also like frenemies, they're from New York. And she's from england but american it's right she's in cambridge it's so weird yes and so she is watching these families 
and uh, Dakota Johnson, who's not one of my favorites, as you know, uh, she plays one mom. And then the other mom, Callie, is played by uh, Dagmara. And I get her last name wrong. Carl, can you help me on this? Dominic. Yes. And or she is Dominic. And in real life, she is married to Patrick Wilson. And she's Polish-American. She's been in a whole bunch of stuff. She's in succession as uh, as uh, the oldest son, whose name just escaped me, um, Kendall. Okay. Uh, ex-wife. Okay. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, she's pregnant with her first child. And uh, uh, Dakota Johnson has this handful little kid, a uh, daughter, who mm -hmm. loses her doll, which is a big plot point. This is written for the screen and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, and it's her debut, and everybody's going crazy about the debut. But this is one of those films where... But it's based, it's based on a novel, though. Right. Elena Ferrante wrote the right. book. And, In Italian. And she is known for being a recluse, so we don't even know if that's her real name. Okay. But she did give Maggie permission to make this movie, and uh, this is the kind of film where things are not said what's more important is the things that aren't said as opposed to the things that are said and they don't really show you this is one of those where your mind has to interpret a lot and therefore i think people are struggling with this film it is in select theaters right now but it actually doesn't come to plaza frontenac till christmas eve and then it's on netflix starting new year's eve yeah, it's this is a weird, weird little movie. You want to like any of these characters, but they're all awful, awful people, and they make horrible, horrible choices. And we haven't even talked about Jesse Buckley, who is in the flashbacks as a young Lita. And right, and, and right, and she's struggling because uh, the kids. She's trying to work because she is a professor, and she's trying to write at home. And her husband, who will become her ex, is played by uh, Jack Farley, who played Prince Charles in Spencer. Yes, and uh, he's not really that helpful with the kids. But uh, do I? Well, he's he's also the villain on Poldark. If you if you ever watched that show on Masterpiece, so you wonder like, oh, is he a? And he's not necessarily playing the best of people. So therefore. He's more he's more sympathetic, but he's still not a nice person in this movie either. No, he's, he's not, not an a attentive. Good, yeah, he's not an they're attentive. They're not good husband. parents. No, she calls herself an unnatural mother, and that's why she has such regrets. And it shows her. It also shows her affair with a, a writer played by Maggie Gyllenhaal's real life husband, Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, that's a that's just those those sex scenes are just unnerving. Well, they're close up. They're very close up, which is weird. Mm. But uh, the whole affair is weird. And then every time she she goes to this conference where they hook up and her professor, her old professor is always knocking at the door, interrupting her, which is kind of funny, which is kind of amusing. But I don't know why Ed Harris is in this movie as a guy who who uh, helps out with the hotel stuff. And then the kid that, that from Ireland who she bonds with, sort of, there's all these characters that come in and out. But basically, she's filled with regret. She starts having all these memories. Uh, and it shows her not being a good mom. 
basically it's saying what women don't really say out loud that motherhood is really hard and exhausting and some people take to it better than others and she did not take she did not get the maternal gene and uh, so that's why she's torturing herself uh but she uh, act, I can't even say because if you see it, you'll know. She calls it something uh, when yeah. one of the girls asks her, but really she doesn't think like that because the whole movie is uh, about the opposite of what and, she says. And the choices that these people make, they're just, ugh, ugh. And the doll. And, I mean, we're not uh, even going to go into that, but no, that don't even is go into that. Now, some Some people think that the the ending is ambiguous. I didn't think it was ambiguous at all. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was ambiguous. I did. I I actually watched this film again thinking I missed something. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't think the ending's ambiguous at all. And they also said, oh, it's, in a, it's supernatural. I'm like, there is nothing in this movie that has earned anything that is supernatural. And they didn't have any supernatural things in the entire movie. So I think it's very cut and dry. Right. Unless uh, the I, novel is different. The, the novel has different things and they decided to change the ending. I don't know. But I think the ending is exactly what it is. And there's no mystery about it. Well, as I said, I started reading the book and the book is pretty... Uh, to the nose the script okay except it's set in, in italy yeah and so i haven't reached the i quit reading it because i just wanted to give a little thing but it's pretty much standard i mean i kind of page through the later stuff so it's i it's, would be i would be interested in reading the last five pages to see yeah. because maybe that's ambiguous too even though i don't think it is all right let's um, talk it, about yeah. it oh go ahead no, I was going to say it did not uh, make most of my nominations. I did really like the score, though. The score is by uh, Deacon Hinchcliffe, who is in it was in the English band called Tinder Sticks. And um, I don't know them. So but I thought it was good. It was very foreboding. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about another depressing movie, Lynn, which the, this movie I did not see. I did not see Swan Song and I hear I should not. Yeah, another depressing one. Uh, this is <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, I know. It's just like, really? OK, this is uh, Mahershala Ali in a virtuoso performance, or should I say performances, because he plays a dual role. He plays Cam. A graphic designer and uh, who is diagnosed with a terminal illness, but they're very vague about what kind of illness he has. And so Glenn Close is his doctor and she says, hey, uh, we can turn you into a clone and the clone will uh, just assume your position in your family without your wife and child knowing you are a clone and they don't have to grieve your death. So uh, because his wife, played by Naomi Harris, who was in Moonlighting with Marshall Ali, uh, she uh, has just lost her twin brother a year ago and was fell into a deep depression. So the dad wants to, uh, Mahershala Ali wants to spare her this horrible 
a loss of her husband and he has an eight-year-old son who's so cute played by Dax Ray and uh the little boy's name is Corey and so he he decides okay I'll become I'll I'll do this cloning experiment because this is in the near future everything's very sterile it's cold and clinical except the family scenes are warm and fuzzy so i don't understand this tone we're having we're having that whiplash of tone where it's cold and clinical and then it's warm and fuzzy and i don't think that works but now, is this that, on apple plus apple tv plus yes it's also in select theaters starting okay. today and at the same time apple tv plus now so who, who's aquafina she plays one of the clone uh candidates like she's being called but she's very glum it's unusual for her to be in such a dramatic role and uh she bonds with uh ali who uh is struggling about doing this because when he meets his clone because the clone is programmed with his memories his emotions his his behavior thoughts whatever and so he is jealous of this clone assimilating into his life so easily because Isn't he about to die yeah i know apparently which is not very clear apparently there's this compound where when they make the switch the clone in the household and then you terminally ill are put in a compound with the other terminally ill people awaiting your final days which is Ooh, sounds crazy. fun which is kind of really creepy and uh then when you die then nobody knows you die well as you know carl in real life loss is a horrible thing and but it's part of life and you have to live with it and uh or maybe you don't but it uh is just an inevitable thing so one of the things people always talk about with loss is whether they got to say goodbye or not that's a huge part of the mm -hmm the grieving loss. Like for instance, when my grandfather died, when I was away at college, I didn't get to say goodbye to him. So that affected me. But my, uh, my grandmother, who by the time she died, she had Alzheimer's disease and didn't know who I was. So, you know, different losses are different. Like my mom with cancer, we all got to say goodbye to her. So your grieving process takes a longer time if you didn't get to say goodbye, I think. But, well, you know, this, this is, it's also weird because there was another movie called Swan Song like three months ago, but that's Todd Stevens film about a hairdresser who dresses up people at mortuaries. This is Benjamin Cleary on Apple Plus. So which is weird. Now this Benjamin They normally Cleary, don't allow that. I know. I don't understand this. Uh, uh, Benjamin Cleary won an Oscar for a short movie called Stutterer back in 2015. And so he doesn't have any, uh, feature film credentials and i think this script is underdeveloped and i think if not for the performances this would be one dull slog in the middle <laughs> it's excruciating it gets to be almost like oh this is so dull and so i did not care for it i gave it a b minus because of the acting because well we all know that Mahersha Ali is a good Ali actor. Is one of our finest actors, and he won two Oscars within three years. So we know this, 
but I don't think it's enough to sustain it. I probably should have given it a, a lower grade, but he and Naomi Harris are good. The little kid is good. I liked all that. I just don't think they effectively handle, especially the big philosophical issues. Like is Glenn Close's character that benevolent or is she a corporate shill here? And mm. what about a messing with fate? Aren't there consequences of messing with fate? They don't really address those things because if you're playing God, it has consequences. Okay. Or should, don't you think? <laughs> it should. And then tech overreach, like, oh, this is where we are now. We're we're making, you know, we're we're doing this. But I just think he doesn't get to say goodbye to his family. That's kind of awful. And uh, I just think it's just, it's kind of a mess. Okay. Well, I, I didn't see it and I don't think I will. Did you see Fortress? I have not. It's on my list of things to do today because it's going to be, I think it's going to be, as Dan likes to call it, Dan Buffa, a palate cleanser. This is just like nonstop action. It is Bruce Willis as an ex-CIA guy living yeah. on this uh island which is a fortress hence the title and jesse medcalf who was so good as the kid in king of the hill filmed in st louis he is uh bruce willis's dad comes for a visit but they are under attack by a nefarious villain played by chad michael murray who used to be a teen heartthrob of one tree hill yeah and he is mad at Bruce Willis, the CIA, and he's seeking vengeance. So it's going to be a lot of bullets, a lot of blood, a lot of nonstop action girls and kind of because it's an island kind of in uh, bikini kind of outfits. With guns. So I'm looking forward to it. It's from Lionsgate. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I agreed to watch it and it comes out today. But get this. It is out today in theaters and digital and then december 21st it is on dvd so for next week we will have that wow and th they, our... they've already done the sequel they've already done the sequel and uh they finished wrapped on the sequel and they're working on the third one right now right well this is why it's it's just like it's i i have to see this i have because we i have seen so many depressing things lately now next mm -hmm. week we have a lot we have we have four movies that start on december 22nd and then we have four movies that start on december 25th so we are going to have quite the big extravaganza show next week but i will i do want to point out the american underdog embargo on reviews lifted today yes and, because it's it's technically out in theaters right now Right. They're, it doing, is, they're doing previews this weekend. Right. The Marcus Theaters in the Metropolitan area, um, seven o'clock Friday and seven o'clock Saturday, advanced screenings. And then the Edge in Belleville, our friends Mary Beth and Keith Shell, uh, they received permission from Lionsgate to run it. So that's has over he texted in, you yet? No, that's over in Belleville. We were hoping to get Keith, but they have a 
lot of holiday parties today and they didn't know if they were going to be able to make it but we're so excited for them to have this opportunity to show it because i think carl having seen the film it's going to be huge in st louis but i also think nationwide because it's a crowd pleaser everybody knows the story of kurt warner because it is a hollywood made life right because his rise now the movie deals with his rise uh from well it does show a little few little things from his childhood but basically he's in college he meets brenda uh it's as much her story as his they went through all sorts of adversity he finally got an opportunity to play football with the rams and we all know what happens because we were we were there we were part of it and so the movie ends at the Super Bowl in 1990, uh, well, 2000, but because of the 1999 season. And then it wraps up his life and posts what's happened. But that's where it ends. Now, I was able to interview Kurt and Brenda when they were here for the premiere at the St. Louis International Film Festival. And they're very proud of this film and and we were able to get it because of their connection to st louis they said they feel like st louis is their second home they will always come back and do charity work here they're still making a lot of uh donations uh the warner's winter warn-up started at a rams game in 2000 and now it's uh hundreds of coats i have an article in the webster kirkwood times today about their charity work as well as the film they were not part of the casting zachary levy uh levi just like the jeans zachary yeah. levi uh plays kurt and anna paquin oscar winner plays brenda they did not have a part of the casting and Kurt said they did not want to. However, they met with the actors beforehand because they wanted the actors wanted to get to know them. And Brenda had pre, had had questions about Anna Paquin playing her, but she was quickly won over and they all bonded uh, Anna Paquin and Brenda FaceTime with each other. Zachary uh, Levi and Kurt are always texting each other. I ask if they still continued and Brenda goes, oh God, yes. Like meaning Kurt and Zachary are on the, you know, texting all the time. Kurt did share with me that he and the greatest show on turf guys have a text thread. They're all very close and they still keep in touch together, but uh, they are what you think they are. They're humble. They're kind. They are so grateful for everything they have had the opportunity to do. And uh, they are, I told him, and I mean this because I don't say things I don't mean that this is going to be like Ruby. This is going to be received like Rudy. And uh, Brenda was like, really? And I said, oh, yeah, it's going to be huge. Uh, The movie is way better than I thought it was going to be. And I did ask some of our sports professionals in town what they thought of it. And they also thought the movie was better because it is by those uh, the Irwin brothers who are known for making a lot of Christian movies and I thought the script was smart. They did, the uh, the Warners did have access, uh, did have input on the script. Now, they also make Brenda's son, Zachary, who uh, was shaken as an infant by her now ex-husband, 
uh, and uh, he is a partially blind and uh, a little bit brain damaged. And Kurt bonded with her, uh, I'm with him right away. And so he's a part of the movie. And, and Kurt's very proud of that, that Zachary is going to draw attention to living a full life, even with disabilities, which is a good thing. But I told, I told Kurt that um, he has raised the bar on single mom boyfriends because uh when he met brenda you know she finally says to him i have two kids i'm divorced i understand if i never see you again but he shows up at her house and so she has a book but the book her book wasn't written wasn't uh the rights were bought to kurt's book all things possible yes so, but I will say it's both their stories and she has her family life. They have been through hell in the back. So, so it's a, I think it's a very fascinating story. I think it's identical, relatable. I think people will really appreciate what all they went through and what they stand for. Good. Well, Lynn, while we have a couple minutes here, uh, did you see the Charlie Chaplin thing on Showtime? I did. And it's good. It's different. It's very different. But it's as far as an archival documentary, it's very well done. And if you don't know who Charlie Chaplin is, if you don't know who uh, anybody about him, I suggest if you want to know about film history and the early days of film, you have to know who Charlie Chaplin is. One of the comic geniuses of our time with a very troubled life. Yes, very, very troubled life. Um, do we want to talk about uh, our awards because i'm very torn on best picture because i watched belfast and it did not do anything for me <laughs> well this is the way i think of belfast the uh -huh. ensemble is wonderful the acting is wonderful it's well made but i have issues with the shift in tones through the whole thing and by the time when I saw it, it was being touted as the best movie of the year. And I said, this isn't the best movie of the year. It it's might not. be one of them, but I wasn't as enamored with it as I thought I was going to be because I think our expectations were so high. I hear Star Wars. I know. I that's hear a, Star Wars. That's is, that your, is Star Wars your ringtone? No, it's a friend of mine who's a big Star Wars nut. That's her ringtone. And she oh, just called. Funny. So I'm sorry. That's um, all right. So, so that's the way I feel. I don't know what I'm voting for yet, Carl. I think uh, I might have to die on the, you know, I carried the musical theater banner. So I think I might have to. You're going to do, you're going to vote for West Side Story, aren't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I my think so. My favorite headline that I've seen was from New York Magazine that said, if you like West Side Story, you'll like West Side Story, which is a great headline. Because that's very funny. Yeah, Meaning but I don't. Th I, I think they're just being arched, though, because what Steven Spielberg has done with that is pretty incredible. And I was very skeptical going in because, as you know, I am a huge fan of the musical. I directed the musical. I've seen uh, different productions of the musical over the years, and that 2013 Muni one was pretty darn special. Um, if you remember that one, with those well, moving I bridges. Right. Well, uh, 
You could but, also go for the tragedy of Macbeth, Lynn. You could go which for that. Is, which is a masterpiece. And I was actually thinking of that. Have you seen it yet? I have to see it before tomorrow. It is a masterpiece. And I'm not and, saying that lightly. It and is Power of the Dog. So I don't well understand done. why you guys love Power of the Dog that much. It's well, okay. It's, it's not hard, that great. No, it's a hard sell, but I think we benefit from having overanalyzed it and talking about it for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, you guys, we, were, you guys were wined and dined by Netflix, and I think that clouded your judgments. It's not that great of a movie. I don't, it's not on my top 10, but which it's, we'll it's get not, to in a week or so. But I'm just saying, uh, I admire. I admire Cody Smith McPhee for what he did with his part. And I admire Benedict Cumberbatch for what he did with his part. I don't think Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons deserve nominations, but other people seem to think that. I think it's a good adaptation of a book and the cinematography is beautiful. That, that is worth it. And they filmed it and uh, they weren't in the American West. They're in New Zealand. Right. But I have issues with it too. It's very slow and deliberate. And I know you don't, and we'll, we're going to talk about licorice pizza next week, but I know you don't care for it. Well, I started off really liking it, but you uh, talking with you and Max, I have come to a different decision. So I have a feeling that's going to be our overall winner. You do? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Because I would, just the I'd reaction vote with you on West Side Story over licorice pizza. I know. Well, the thing is, is that we have a group that adores Paul Thomas Anderson in anything he does. Because oh, no, I remember see, the now, one Max, year Max and I argued uh, argued on the other side of that because uh, inherent vice is awful. It is, and I remember people voting for that, and I remember criticize you know that was when we used to meet talk about nominations and i were like well yeah you guys just all like it and then some people voted for it just because of what i said because uh, i was so critical of everybody be giving him a blanket pass all the time and because that movie is terrible licorice oh, pizza uh, is not as bad as inherent vice no but... no now it now i do there's many things to like about licorice pizza Except the entire, you know, love story. Right, which we will get to next week because it opens on Christmas Day. But just but we're, the reason I mentioned, the I just mentioned these five films. I just went, I mentioned these five films because that's what Lynn and I have to vote on for the St. Louis Film Critics Association Best Picture. Well, Belfast, but, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, and The Tragedy of Macbeth. Well, I do think because I helped tally the votes. I saw all the love for licorice pizza. But that and doesn't mean that the, just because you're nominating something doesn't mean that you're going to vote for it in the end. Right. Well, I think that the fact that the tragedy of Macbeth did so well without that many people seeing it is remarkable. The cinematography is incredible. Uh, the cast is top notch. What Joel Cohen has done with this and on this his is own, a, by the way, on his yes. own. This is a movie that is under two hours. What? Yes. The tragedy of Macbeth. For Macbeth. Uh, about three years ago, four years ago, I saw a three-hour Macbeth opera. I have seen Macbeth 
on the stage at least six times. I have seen all previous movie versions, including the bizarre Roman Polanski one after Sharon Tate died, and the uh, weird uh, Marianne Cotillard, Michael Fassbender one from a few years ago that I seem to be the only one that actually appreciated it. And so Macbeth is a very difficult thing to interpret, but I love this interpretation. It is lean and muscular. It just cuts to the chase. It gives you everything you need to know. And as we all know, Shakespeare's very hard to interpret and how they have mastered that iambic a pentameter is oh beautiful. so it's not in it's in iambic pentameter huh yeah but it's okay. denzel washington and francis mcdormand well, and uh, she's in all of joel's stuff well because they're married yes. but also uh the witches are in, in one person the huh. three witches are kind of, and then brendan gleason plays uh duncan the, the previous uh king and it's it's a, it's got a great cast. Corey Hawkins is Macduff. Uh, uh, the scene, uh, well, if you know Macbeth, but there's some brilliant visuals in this. Brilliant. And so right. I think not enough people have watched it, and I think the people that are criticizing it don't understand Macbeth, which okay. uh, you know you have to you have to buy it you have to have a knowledge of what this is about or you're going to be lost but I i'm think probably going to watch it after the hockey game tonight but i think that's most everybody with shakespeare if they're they also think it's going to be like this english test you know this english <laughs> project but sometimes I think, it is well yeah but i think joe cohen makes it alive makes it living breathing alive you understand the motivations behind everything and it's a very intimate thing like the scenes between Denzel and Francis McDormand are very good because it's it's very uh you know connected now they don't do as much with the the one with Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard she was so grief-stricken because they lost a child but in this one they just kind of gloss over that lot but they do mention it which is one of the reasons they think that lady macbeth's motivation at pushing her husband so hard to be king that's the whole plot you know yes. they they turn ruthless uh because of power everything comes down to power and greed and lust in most everything right just like the rest of the world Right. So I think it is, but I do think uh, because it's got that label of being artsy that people are going to have a hard way in. But as far as like a gateway into Shakespeare, uh, it couldn't be better, I don't think. So it's on my top 10. Okay. So, and it changed me. I, that was the last movie I saw before I voted. And it changed a whole bunch of votes for me. So, uh, you know, and Alex watched it twice. Alex, Alex McPherson watched it mm -hmm. twice and told me about how great it was. The music by Carter Burwell is among our score candidates. But the, the uh, cinematography, I would be surprised if that doesn't win pretty All much right. 
everything. So yeah, well, hey, real quick, because not everybody sees movies at the theater like we do. Um, some of our favorite movies are now on digital. And uh, that is the card counter, which as I said to people, dark and disturbing, but also haunting and hypnotic with Oscar Isaac as a, an ex-Marine who has served time for the Abu Ghraib prison torture and uh, Tiffany Haddish in a very different type of role and Ty Sheridan, who we're going to talk about next week in the tender bar. And so very, 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 very interesting. That is on digital. Clifford, the big red dog came out. One of Dan Buffa's favorite movies of the year, Clifford, and, the big red dog. Yes. And speaking of DVDs and Blu-rays, your favorite movie of the year. The so far, Mitchell's the versus the Machines on DVD and Blu-ray. Buy it. You can watch it on Netflix, but buy it. It's so right. good. I was going to say, if you don't have a Netflix subscription, there you go. Also, the movie we talked about last week, Street Gang, how we got to Sesame Street, is on DVD, Blu-ray. So if you need a Christmas gift for people. So if, you do, if you don't want to watch it on HBO Max, and I'm sure the DVD, Blu-ray has probably a whole bunch of extra stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, also... Also, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, part of the Spider-Man universe, and Last Duel is out on DVD also. Right, which uh, Last Duel was very surprising. And which is I, one of Max Boise's favorite movies of the year. I really enjoyed it. And we nominated Ben Affleck for his supporting, role, supporting as the, role as the evil king, uh, prince, whatever he is, the ruler as opposed to uh, him in the tender bar, which I voted for him in the tender bar. And uh, the SNL Christmas show is Saturday with Paul Rudd, which Paul Rudd. they usually bring in alums and cameos for the Christmas show. So I hope they do that. I actually really enjoyed Billie Eilish last weekend. She was good. They didn't, they didn't use her. They, they used her the way they needed to use her. Oh yes. They had her in a lot of pre-tapes, but but was fine. She was she was I think they utilized her well. Oh, I think the TikTok one. That's why I think when they take such a long break, they come back pretty, you know, pretty uh with a lot more ideas. Refreshed. But mm -hmm. the TikTok skit was really good. And as the Christmas greetings one was too, about holiday greeting cards. And right. these were the uh uh these were the electronic cyber ones, which were fun. Uh, Waterloo's own Alexandra Kay. I know her as Lexi Krikorian. She is a country singer and she has this, um, she has become uh, famous through her social media. We've talked about her before because I've known her since uh, the, the late, uh, like 2008, I'd say, okay. 2008. She was one of my play kids. Huh. And uh, so, yeah, so, uh, she uh, has this thing every morning called Coffee Covers. While she's making her morning coffee, she sings a song by a famous country star. And she has gotten, and it's on TikTok, I believe. And she has gotten a lot of buzz. And Tim McGraw saw her on TikTok singing one of his songs. And now she is opening on his 2022 tour. Nice. Yeah, so she That's just good. found 
she just found out last week there is also an article in the Belvin News Democrat about her social media sensation career, which you can go Who to. Who wrote that? Who not wrote me. that article? I did not. I oh. did not write it. Actually, the girl Desa Page, she contacted me for quotes because I directed Lexi in community theater and she ah. wanted to quote. And I will say this about Lexi. She has worked very hard to get where she is and she is one of those people that is a joy to work with because she really understands collaboration and she does what she needs to do because some people don't listen she does what she needs to do to get better and to be part of a team effort and she works incredibly hard so i will say you know she's one of the good people and she has not given up she has kept at it even though her label dropped her, she had she did not get a chair to turn on the voice. She uh uh but she got on the Netflix show West Side uh because of her cover of Jolene. So if you go to Alexandra Kay on YouTube, you will see a ton of stuff. And she's got a beautiful, very sweet voice. It's it's very nice. She has a hard candy Christmas video on YouTube that sings the Dolly Parton song from Festival Horror House in Texas. And it's really good. Well, it looks like next week, Lynn, we're going to talk about all those movies you talked about on your birthday. So, yeah, we'll be celebrating your birthday and celebrating everything uh, Christmassy. So. If we, if you don't hear us next week, happy Christmas to you. And if you do hear us next week, we'll tell you happy Christmas again. Right. And a Kennedy Center Honors or our Wednesday night with David Letterman is the host. That's Dave's one the of, host. That's one of my favorite TV programs of the whole year. It's going to be fabulous. And he's going to be hilarious. This is the first and time. And it's on your birthday. Well, no, December 22nd. Oh, you're right. And so uh, we will see you next week. Carl, where can we find you? You can find me on the Mark Cox Morning Show, Monday through Friday on 97.1. You can hear me on Twitter and Instagram, Blowing the Blues Horn, uh, at underscore Carl the Intern. You can hear me on the Maxim Movies Podcast. I am everywhere. People know how to get a hold of me. Lynn, where are you? I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. I am on KTRS Radio every Thursday night with Ray Hartman, St. Louis in the Know after the 10 p.m. news hour. I am on my website, poplifestl.com. And our podcast is also available on my website on onstl.com. And we have a Facebook page too. I'm on all the socials as you are on Twitter. I know that. And Instagram? Are you on Instagram? Yes. Twitter and Instagram. All righty. Well, listen, we will have the results of our St. Louis Film Critics Awards when we speak again. And thank you, Carl. And I hope you have a stress-free week leading up to the holidays because, as you know, it's very stressful out there. Yes, it is. Merry, merry, everyone. Bye. Be safe. Get vaccinated. Get your booster. And Enjoy your family.